Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. This episode is brought to you by 804RVA. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about tanks driving through Broad Street. <laughs> we're going to be talking about rap beef, who you got, Drake or Pusher T. Did Pusher T go too far? We're also going to be talking about the second best comedy fest taking place in Richmond this weekend. Some of the best improv teams from all over are going to be descending on Richmond this weekend. We're going to talk to Katie Holcomb from the Coalition Theater. You don't want to miss that. And for our future interview brought to you by Richmond Grid, we're going to be talking to the legendary journalist, Arthur. He's a TV commentator. Torre, the legendary Torre, who is the creator and host of the Torre Show podcast, which features some of the best interviews in the game today. Torre has sat down with Puff. He's sat down with Kendrick Lamar. He's sat down with Kahinde Wiley. That's all going to be coming up on this episode of the Cheats Movement on WRIR. But up first, Dipset. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. I am your host, Cheats. Gigi Broadway is not in the studio with us today. I am going to try to call her and get her on the phone to talk about some of this craziness that's happening in the city. But before we do, I got a special announcement. This Wednesday, June 13th, the Cheats Movement WRIR, as a part of 804's RVA Social Impact Club, is doing a live show, a live podcast, a live event, if you will. Um, it is a live event this Wednesday, June 13th at 804 RVA. It is going to start at 6.30. We're doing the whole podcast live. Gigi Broadway will be there. A bunch of, of our friends will be in the building, family, and we want you there as well. Our special guest is Richmond Times-Dispatch columnist Michael Paul Williams. We're going to have a great interview with Michael Paul Williams. We're going to have a music performance from Noah O, hip-hop artist Noah O, featuring DJ Mentos. DJ Mentos will be there uh, DJing for a little bit. We've got giveaways. We've got food. Uh, Kendra Feather, of all people, of Roosevelt, Laura Lee, Garnett fame. Uh, Ipanema fame, Kendra Feather will be providing some of the food for us. We're just going to have a amazing, amazing time. So make sure you go online, 804 RVA Social Impact Club, or you can look at the Cheats Movement on all social medias and platforms. Download your tickets from Eventbrite. If you have a ticket, you can get in. We're definitely, definitely going to sell out. So we're really, really excited about that. Make sure you come out and rock with us. We're very, very excited about this Wednesday, June 13th. Cheats the Movement on WRIR live. So make sure you come out. Now, what we're going to try to do is get our homegirl co-host, Gigi Broadway. Uh, we're going to try to call her. We're going to try to call her and get her commentary on all that is going on, ladies and gentlemen. There is a tank that drove through Richmond yesterday. I don't know how many of you saw this. I'm sure everybody's seen it now, but it was a armored vehicle. Everybody's calling it Tank Gate or uh, Tank You. I've heard uh, Tank RVA and a bunch of uh, social media hashtags. It was actually an armored vehicle. It was actually an armored vehicle. I believe it was from Fort Pickett, maybe, uh, and, and not away. Uh, but a lieutenant actually drove the tank uh like down a high speed chase down the highway, he gets off the highway, 
and it's in it's on Broad Street, and people have all these social media uh, hashtags and pictures and photos. There is a tank in Richmond, and we have to discuss this with my co-host Gigi Broadway. My only takeaway to really, really get this thing going is that somebody led an armored vehicle high-speed chase through the city of Richmond, gets out, gets tased, is in jail, but he is alive. We've got to remember that. He is alive. No matter what you say about what's been happening the last couple uh, weeks uh, since May 16th and the uh, you know the police-involved shooting uh, that of a naked, unarmed man, this is where the rub comes in, right, on the community aspect. This is where we start to see challenges and chinks in the armor in regard to how we can have uh, a law enforcement-involved shooting of an unarmed, naked man at the same time, we have a high-speed armored chase through several counties that ends uh, peacefully, if you will. It ends with someone uh, being alive and in jail. There's so many different layers to this. It's not necessarily apples to apples. I understand that. Uh, but when you start to see these things spark up in the community, you start to see these kind of chinks in the armor, if you will, about challenges between community and law enforcement, what happened last night with the, the armored vehicle going through Richmond, the fact that it was resolved peacefully is a positive. It's a positive thing. It was, a, you know, a well-executed thing by all involved. And that's awesome. Um, I think the challenge is when you compare that to what happened uh, on May 16th, uh, it's, it's just it's a challenge, right? You see the rub there and it's no right and no wrong. There, I mean, in this particular comparison, I can't say that, oh, this this happened because of this. But what the reality is, you do see the difference in way that people are treated for whatever reason. And in the case of Marcus Davis Peters, the unarmed man that was clearly having some type of mental episode, um, the fact that he lost his life has led to a giant outcrying of the community uh, as a father myself as a black male myself as a father i look at that and i'm very deeply disturbed um and then we have incidents and examples of this can be done even in extreme circumstances i don't think there's anything more extreme than an armored truck driving through broad street and you have this extreme circumstance and this individual is in jail you know what the only injuries that he sustained right now is of what of one of being tased which he was refusing orders, so from what we understand on the news, he should have been tased. So it's one of those things where we have an armored vehicle. There's a lot of jokes that have been, and a lot of memes, and a lot of, I even had someone uh, put, one of my good buddies, shout out Hip Hop Henry, put the tank on top of <laughs> the, new, the new Legacy uh, new legacy t-shirts. So it's a basically... Uh, the new Confederate uh, statue, if you will, the new monuments in Richmond would have tanks on them. Um, the internet remains undefeated. Hip Hop Henry is a genius for that. But basically, you kind of see the challenge of a community when we're talking about law enforcement and how things are being reacted to. Um, and so while it is fun and games, you definitely see the challenge of how Richmond can move forward, even with things that are, by all case and points, a success story. So, with that said, I'm going to call my girl up, Gigi Broadway. We're going to try to see if she sees it, and let's do that right now. She is not physically with me, but she is on the phone. Gigi Broadway, how you feeling? Hey, hey, I'm here. 
I'm good. I'm tired. No, I'm exhausted. I'm going to be honest. I'm exhausted. But I'm here. Clearly, I'm here. It's been a... Clearly, we are not... Right. We are not in the same place, which is odd. We're usually together, especially when we're doing this. Why are right. we uh, Why are we not together? What has been going on in your world that has caused us to have this uh, separation? Well, um... <laughs> <laughs> I just try to kick some things in, in high gear, man. I, I don't know if you know this, but I've been secretly, like, in my head, I think I'm, like, the next Stanley Kubrick. So I've been over here being weird, like, filming weird things and just... It's been, it's been weird. But it's been good. But I'm tired. I'm excited. Yes. I'm excited for yes. this. But yeah. one thing that's not going to be weird is going to be Wednesday. Are you excited about Wednesday, the live show, June 13th, in front of a studio audience? Oh, my gosh. I got butterflies in my stomach. I'm nervous, I'm, but I'm excited. I'm ready. Uh, We're ready. We're going to do this. We're ready. Okay. So we, don't, we have a lot of show. We're going to do an abbreviated version of we see it or we don't see it. And the first thing, I just went on a rant before we even got you on the phone. The tank armored vehicle going through Richmond this week. Did you see it? Did you not see it? Do we care? <sighs> well, we, we I don't think we could help but not see it. I mean, I think it made like major headlines, right? I mean, national news, yes. It's just crazy. I, I'm befuddled. I still have a lot of questions. <laughs> I have a lot of questions, but yeah, that that was crazy. Uh, are you enjoying it? There seems to be so it started kind of as this. Oh my God, there's a tank, and then instantly the internet took over, and there's a bunch of uh, jokes. It, I mean, overall, it's not really a joking matter. But are, are you here for the internet winning all the time? I. I I've learned to accept it because clearly it's just a, a powerhouse that I can't do anything about. And I just want to say, you know, I mean, I'm really glad there were no crashes or injuries during right, the incident. Right. Like, this is, ins it's really just beyond normal, right? It's beyond normal. And I've, like I said, I already went on a rant. You'll hear it later. But it was like, no one got hurt, including the driver who just got tased. And, like, it's insane. Right. But I, I'm also a little underwhelmed. Like, what was the point? Like, you know, if he had hopped out and made some prolific speech or had some type of, you know, political movement going on, I mean, he, no. he was on Twitter taking fo photos and selfies. I mean, he didn't seem like he was on drugs, but apparently he was. I, I just don't get it. No one knows. The That's the thing. No one knows about the drug use. I think he was a, a lieutenant. I think he was an, I mean, it's coming out as we speak, but the news is like he was a soldier. Um, it's insane. The whole thing is insane. So we got to move on. But that is, we will could we revisit that joke, especially this week. <laughs> if you come to our live show, <laughs> there will be some special uh, tank references. Um, the next thing, and really the only thing, because I know you are a battle rap aficionado and you had a big battle rap weekend that we won't recap right now, but you had a big battle cap uh, battle rap weekend uh, this past weekend. I have to ask you, it seems to be over now, right? It seems to be done, but we've never talked about Drake versus Pusha T. Do you see it? Did you see it? Are you glad it's over? Who won? Again, underwhelmed. How are you underwhelmed? Um, it was huge. Yes. It was it, huge. It was not huge. 
first of all, it was so unclimactic. Like, it, it just fizzled out word? of nowhere. Thanks is there a, a lot, bell? friend. Is, is that a word, unclimactic? We go, ding, is there a bell? <laughs> how does that work? Un- I don't know. that's how mad I am. It just, it just frazzled. Because, I mean, thanks a lot, Jay Prince. He just deaded one of the, like, the juiciest rap beats we had in forever. So, you know? So, are you underwhelmed? Why? Hold on. So, you liked it. So, why are you underwhelmed? You're underwhelmed because that it's, it's over? Yeah, like the way it ended, come on. It, it should have gone, like, at least another round or two. I mean, it just, you know, people got too sensitive. It's battle rap. There are no feelings in battle rap. You can't go too far. It's no limit. That's one of the good things. That's why it's called battle rap. It's a battle, you know? So, so I mean, you know. So, so, it, you're, so no you are of the belief that, one, Pusha T did not go too far, and, two, I am assuming you're guessing that Pusher T is one now that it's over. Oh, he he's definitely victorious in this. Um, I don't think he went too far. I I think he could have gone a lot farther, honestly. <laughs> but that's just me. But then again, you you're know. you're not a Drake person. Like I think a lot of the Drake folks are like, Drake just needs to get out of this. Like he is like after uh story of uh, is it story of Addis Adius? How do you say it? Adonis. Um, Adidon? Adidon, okay. After the story of Adidon came out, there's a lot of Drake fans that were just like, he's just got to, he's just got to get off. This is not going to help him in any way. He's just got to get out of this. And he released a public statement, the press release, about Trash. the blackface. Which was, in in clear hip-hop terms, that, that already ended it, right? When you just like, I got to go to my publicist and make a press release on Instagram. That I mean, that ends the battle, right? That definitely like cripples you to the point where you probably can't come back. Right, because if yeah. you make a song after the press release, wouldn't everybody be like, "Just why didn't you just put that?" Like, why didn't and you put? Th- yeah, like that doesn't make any sense. Like, I couldn't imagine again, like Jay Z, you know, in Nas or Jay Z and Mob Deep or Fifty Cent Ja Rule, like somebody being like, "Hold on, guys, let's make a press release. Like, we've got to clear this up." Jim Jones. Yeah. Do you think Jim Jones would make a press release for Dipset? No, they, they're, they're going to take it. No, no, they're going to take it as far as it goes. Now, love, here's the here's the real question. We were doing this on uh, if you're if you're following on online, we were had a discussion about this online. Drake, I would say, is bigger. Did you see this on Facebook today? I would say Drake is bigger than the biggest artist in popularity wise. Than all of those rappers we mentioned in rap battles, all the historic rap battles of rap, I think Drake is a more popular artist in 2018 than anyone that engaged in a real rap battle. Like Drake, that Tupac was. I so don't that, know that, that so that's the argument. That that is the real argument. Is like is Drake in 2018 a more known, more popular artist in regards to just like, you know cultural landscape than Tupac was when he was battling Biggie. That's the question. And again, not Tupac noun in 2018, right? Not like not like Tupac the legacy that, you know, it passed away in 96. But like in yeah. 1996, was Tupac bigger than Drake is now? I, that's, I think Drake is probably the biggest star that's ever had to do this. I think he just crossed more bridges than Tupac did, but just by a little bit but I think impact-wise, 
Tupac's is still right. Like, and that's not the argument, right? Like, I mean, because I understand what you're saying, too. The the issue is the Internet. That's the thing. It's not like, oh, like social media and Twitter. No, it's the Internet itself, right? The Internet itself gives access to people that would have never had access to it, right? Like, I mean, yeah. that, I think people don't really understand how transformative that is when it comes to bringing people's awareness to the world, right? Like, right. they just, so, I mean, so I think it's just very difficult to say Tupac in 1996 was impacting, you know, I don't know, 13-year-old Asian kid in Kansas, but Drake might because of the internet. You know what I mean? Like, it's just very, like, even in 96, 95, 94, like, a lot of hip-hop, you still had to find it, right? You had to want to go get the source, right? Yeah, you had to find it or hear it on the radio. That was the only two like avenues. So, uh, you know, but but let's. We're, I don't want to lose the point. The point to you is one Pusher T one, right? Yes or no? Pusher T is one. Definitely, hands down to me. Two, you're saying Pusher T did not go too far, exposing Bakes, <laughs> uh, exposing Drake's baby, and the blackface pictures. No, I mean it's no holes bar in battle rap. You can go as far as you you got to go. There's no limit to me. And the bottom line no. is, are you or are you not angry at Drake for basically being like, I'm battling out of this thing? I'm a little perturbed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm well, going to be honest. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to end it there. Gigi Broadway, my co-host, who is obviously calling in from... I mean, we, we if we wanted to keep it 100, we could tell you the truth, which you're calling in literally from, like, three blocks down the street. I mean, you, we really <laughs> live very close together. This is not... Or I could be in Wyoming. You, you could know. be. You could, oh, that's a whole other thing. Did you, a whole other thing? Did you hear the Kanye album? I mean, is it is it worth listening to? That's a whole other conversation. I'm not even going to get into it. I know I'm you're gonna not going to get into it. because I know you're not going to get into it because you probably didn't listen. It took you six months to watch Black Panther. And if you tell me you've listened to the Kanye album in a week and a half, <laughs> I will be very upset. I'm going to let it simmer a little bit. You know, I'm still trying to sort through some things emotionally. and You know what I mean? So nah, I'm just going to let it simmer. We got to leave it there. Gigi Broadway, I'll see you on Wednesday live show, June 13th. Uh, you know. You'll be you'll be there. You get the nerves in check. We'll be all right. Turn up. All right. That is Gigi Broadway. That is our uh, segment, and we see it. We've got a special special uh, interview. We're going to talk to Katie Holcomb from the Coalition Theater, and of course, our featured interview brought to you by Richmond Grid is columnist, author, TV personality, uh, cultural critic, the one and only Torre. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement on WRIR, and we are in a very special, we're going to take a pause from the We See It to do a very special update. I am here at the Coalition Theater with my dear friend Katie Holcomb, who is about to kick off the second best comedy fest. This is the fourth annual by the time you're listening to this, hopefully it will be going on this particular weekend. It starts Thursday. And first, uh, I just love hanging out with Katie. So, Katie, how you doing? Hey, Mark. I am. I'm busy and great and so excited about this weekend and just like racing to the finish line and cannot wait. This is just like I'm living my dream, dude. 
So this is the fourth. Yes. Second best comedy fest. Yes. I guess the first question we always have to ask is why is it the second best comedy fest? <laughs> why isn't it the first best comedy fest? Because it's an amazing comedy festival. Yeah, you know, I think that's just like it goes along with kind of our playful, kind of like tongue in cheek nature. It's just like when we were thinking about what to call the comedy fest. We were thinking about the conventions of how people name their fests. A lot of them like put their city in the title. It's either like the Richmond Improv Fest or the Richmond Comedy Fest or something like that. And we're like, well, we see that a lot. All great, all great names. All great, all super valid. But we were like, let's just have something that's a little playful and fun. And, you know, there's a lot of festivals on the East Coast that are really well known. There's the Del Close Marathon in New York, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we thought second best comedy fest, one, just like the rhyming nature of it just sounds, it rolls off the tongue so nicely. It does. It really does. Second best comedy fest. Um, but also there's just like a lot you can play with the, with the idea of being like, oh, we're the second best. It's like second best to what? It's like, I don't know. What do you think we're second best to? And it's just kind of like, I don't know. We thought we don't want to be like, we never want to be like, look at us. We're the best. We're number one. Um, so we always have this sort well, of like, well, of course not. We never want to yeah. be, it's, but, but we're number two. Number two is a, a little bit of a ring to it. It's a charming place to be right. because no one, you don't have a lot of haters. Everybody wants to be the backup quarterback. Exactly. There you, go. you know, so that's us. We're just like everybody's BFF. But this has grown considerably uh, in the yes. first from from year one to now we're into year four. Tell us a little bit about what to expect in regards to the number of venues, the number of teams, the demogra- like the geographical coverage that. The teams that are coming into Richmond, and we say teams, we should probably back up really quick. We say sure. teams because it's a comedy festival, but it's really it's an improv festival. Right? It is primarily an improv festival. We do have a couple acts that are either more sketch, something a little bit more scripted, or sort of like um, a variety show type of acts. Like we have one act coming in that I love called Good Joke, Bad Joke, Bingo from Sean Wickens. Nice. And what that is, is he has, he uses like a, one of those little cages of bingo balls. His friend Lex pulls him out and he's got an entire book of whatever bingo number he lands on. He's got like either jokes or prompts prepared for every one of those numbers. So he just like leaves through his thing and builds a show as he's pulling the bingo balls oh, out. Oh, it's amazing. It is hilarious. So yeah, that is like a little bit different from most of the acts. Most of the acts are gonna be improv teams. So teams that do either long form structures where they're getting a suggestion and running for about 25 minutes, just kind of like building an entire world out of nothing. We've got some groups that are musical improv groups, hip hop improv groups. Which I'm really, which we're really excited about. Ooh, well, we're really excited yes. about uh, Cypher Sounds, I believe, is coming from New York yes. to do his improv show Saturday night. Yes. And as us being a big uh, big fan of the of the hip-hop, if you will. Absolutely. Uh, we, we know him from Hot 97 and all of his television work, so we're excited to see that. But like we're saying, there's, there's groups. There are teams that are mm-hmm. coming from all over. So LA. tell us a little bit about where the teams are coming from. Yeah, we've got teams coming from all the way from like LA, New York, Chicago, um, let's see, Philly, um, 
you know, kind of smaller cities on the East Coast. And how do you get these? You say, Katie, you're you do this. You you're an improv. You're on a team. You're performing this weekend. Yeah, I am performing with our um, sort of senior team here at the Coalition Theater that you can normally see every Saturday night during Riot, which is our staple flagship long form show. My team is called Big Bosses, and it's sort uh, of like uh, a rotating cast of sure. uh, like the senior members of the theater, our teachers, our founders you know the big bosses the big bosses (laughs) but i say that because you do this and so you travel and this is how you meet a lot of these fellow improvers and teams that are you're actually bringing back to richmond which is a fantastic fantastic thing how did you go about like how many teams submit how do you go about selecting the improv teams and is there like i know um this year just looking at the roster it's extremely diverse um I, when I first started following imp- improv, um, it's got to be nearly not. It's probably eight or eight or so years ago now. Uh, when you were probably one of my teachers. Uh, yep, I was. Uh, was I your first improv teacher? Maybe. And Matt, David, and you, I think, all in intro. Yeah, just like all around. <laughs> I that took same. no. I took intro like three times. <laughs> I didn't take anything else. I didn't really graduate. It's like me taking Spanish one for three years. You're like a lifelong learner. You're just like, like, I love the basics. I just want to go back and do the the (laughs) basic stuff. Everything else scared me. Um, We had a great, you know what? I I think back on our class fondly. You were in it. We had had a... uh, we had a local news personality. Juan Connie. I'm going to call him that. We had Juan Connie in our class. But Juan Connie. In that particular class, it was really a, it's like a who's who. Because we had uh, RVA Playlist was in that class. Juan Connie was in that class. Christelle Poole was in that class. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if yes. Summer was in that class. Um, we she had was, a, yeah. We had a bunch of people in that class. Like, you know, the early days. I look back <laughs> for me. so, so fun. It's like, it's the early days for me. With that said, no, we lost focus. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, I was saying... I was saying because when I first started, it, 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 maybe we just didn't know them. They probably existed, but we just didn't know them. Um, but the, the, crew, like the teams are so diverse now. And there's so many. And I look at the, the roster that's coming in the weekend, and there's really something for everyone. But there are definitely teams that are all persons of color teams or all women teams. And so this is just really, really exciting to see that was that intentional? How many teams applied? Was it intentional to get that diversity? Like, how did y'all go about whittling down who was going to perform over these three days? We were so fortunate this year to get um, just a, a ton of submissions, both from uh, teams that, like you said, you know, we travel a lot, so we meet a lot of people on the road that we perform with. We make connections with them. You know, we sort of have similar vibes or styles, and we're like, we like you, you like us, like, let's try to, you know, work together. So we get teams like that submitting. We get some random ones that we've never heard of from, like, middle of nowhere cities that have improv scenes um, just sprouting up out of nowhere, which is so cool. And there's, there's a part of me that really enjoys kind of putting on people from the smaller communities, you know, that are not from New York and LA and Chicago that are just in like, you know, a town in North Carolina doing improv because it's like, what are you guys doing there? That is so cool. Let me see. But yeah, definitely um, the diversity in, in sort of the lineup is something we are, um, that it's totally intentional. Like we like to show people 
um, what's going on outside of the like sort of homogenized like sure. straight white male improv team that right. is the or thing that the, you're used to making fun of on like TV or even shows. the whose line is it anyway right. like narrative right there yeah. was like that's a lot of what people originally thought probably not so much now like there's so many sketch comedy like like wilding out or like there's so many things on the air that kind of throw a wrinkle into that but for years it was like who's li- oh like whose line is it anyway and you're just like yeah oh my god i've retired <laughs> i've like retired the phrase have you seen whose line is yeah, it anyway as a way like to like tell people bang. about improv right. <laughs> like, but, but now like i said it's just it seems that we have and this is a great um not just highlight for the coalition theater which is in this wonderful space that we're in right now and how long it, like it's been a number of, i feel old like i'm dating myself but it's how long have we been in this theater? We've been in uh, this theater for about five years, going right. on five years. We were performing in Richmond since 2009. Yep. Uh, and kind of Gallery 5 was our home for and a Gallery while. Gallery 5 will be used uh, this weekend for the festival. Absolutely. They're our second venue. They're closing out the fest with the the big all-star show sure. that's going to combine uh, you know, members from a bunch of the different teams together to like get on stage and jam. So that's something I definitely think people shouldn't what make are, their way out to so see. what are the other vi- so what are all the venues it starts thursday let's let's get through the logistics really quickly it starts thursday here at yes. coalition theater tell us every day and like where people are going to be and how we can get tickets so thursday coalition theater only we're featuring all richmond teams it's kind of like a hometown night uh friday uh and oh shows on thursday are going to be at seven and at nine so Friday, we've got shows happening at 7, 9, and 11, both at Coalition Theater and at Gallery 5 simultaneously. So you really want to going to want to go to secondbestfest.com, see the lineups, kind of like choose wisely what you want to catch because you're not going to be able to see everything. Is there an option to get like a pass that lets, yes. lets you go up? Yeah, so you can buy an all-access pass for $30, which is just a ridiculously good deal. Ridiculously low. It's ridiculously low. Yeah, so that gets you into any and all of the shows. Um, So, yeah, so shows Friday night at both Gallery 5 and here at The Coalition. Saturday night we have shows at The Coalition and Gallery 5 as well at 7 and 9. And then at Gallery 5 only at 11, we have that all-star show that we talked about. So, so you say the website one more time because we're going to have to leave it here. Sure. It's www.secondbestfest.com. And if it's not a festival weekend, you can catch wonderful improv in Richmond at the Coalition Theater. Is it every, every – I know you have stuff every night just about, but is it, is it are the shows Saturday nights? And Friday nights, is it? There are shows Wednesday through okay. Saturday nights every week here. And if you want to check out our schedule, you can go to rvacomedy.com. That's our handle across social media. Super easy to remember. Um, yeah, I would definitely recommend our Friday and Saturday night shows are just killer right now. Got to come check them out. Got to check them out. That's the Coalition Theater this weekend uh, starting Thursday uh, but going all through the weekend is the second best comedy fest thank you Katie for your time you, we didn't even make like any Trump jokes or any armor oh my ta- God, or yeah. any armor tank tro- like <gasps> armor tank police chase jokes like there's a whole lot that like there's so much that uh, you can make fun of this weekend I can't believe it make yet. sure <laughs> make sure you come out to the second best comedy fest and visit the coalition theater we'll be back this is the Chiefs movement on WRIR 
Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. This is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. This portion is brought to you, this is our feature interview portion, and is brought to you by Richmond Grid. We are very excited to have on the line a award-winning, best-selling Arthur, uh, a historic, legendary journalist, a TV uh, community kind of cultural commentary, if you will, uh, TV personality, legendary, one and only Torre. Torre, welcome to the show. This is the Cheats Movement on WRAR. Welcome. Hello. 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 How, How are you doing? You are on. Now, after an, after an intro like that, like that only go down. <laughs> no way. No way. We're just about to, look, we're just going to get into this thing. And obviously, you've seen a lot, you've done a lot, uh, and you're always kind of here and now with your commentary on culture and your commentary on society. So the first question I'm going to ask you is just like, we are in a very special moment in 2018 in a number of different facets. When you think of kind of the moment that we're in, when you're when somebody, your kids years from now and kind of ask you to describe this moment, what do you think of first? Um, well, I mean, I think this moment is about Trump and about the divisive, you know, difficult, you know, evil, immoral, you know, uh, untruthful <laughs> era that he has spouted, that he, where he's making racists feel comfortable to come out and show themselves and maybe feel justified, you know, where we split up families, where, you know, he's constantly standing up for white people and, um, you know, stepping on black people's necks in order to, to protect white people. I mean, you know, even now we have the craziness of them defending the right of a white baker to not have to make a cake for a gay couple because that's his freedom of speech to not do that. But then uh, black NFL players who want to protest police brutality, they do not get freedom of speech. And they're just trying... You know, there's all this sort of gaslighting and division and uh, elevation of white supremacy and white entitlement and white victimhood and white privilege that is all sort of going on. And, you know, the ripping apart of American democratic norms, um, you know, these are the things that are going to last and are going to potentially have a lasting impact on the country um, and are going to dominate this sort of this sort of moment and, and to think about the things that an historian like you think the way that that that, that you know robert Cairo right like breaks down like almost every day of the you know johnson administration in his books sure the guy the the man or woman historian who comes along and says i'm gonna do you know in 2040 the definitive trump biography like you'd have to talk about so many ridiculous tiny like weird pop cultural things like it's like a low cultural sort of undertaking right it's not even i mean i i, I don't know i i find myself fairly consistently embarrassed um for the nation and in front of the world at you know what he does what he knows the sort of person that he is i mean i, I didn't think that you'd find somebody who had 
like no redeeming qualities. I mean, generally, <laughs> pe- people have somebody has some. I mean, like you know, he's sure. a horrible person, but you know, like L- yeah, he's really, Let me uh, ask you this: What is more dangerous in your kind of in your read of the culture right now? Is it the fact that the president is like doing these things and saying these things, and the in kind of the looseness with you will of the truth or alternative facts is that the, was what the president doing kind of the scariest thing or is it as a, i want to say solid and o'brien said like the fact that we're kind of normalizing this extreme or both I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I mean you know for me you know it's very scary to be a black person during this administration and you know the encouragement of white supremacists and racists um and you know the just the lack of protection that we are getting from the department of justice uh you know the lack of uh care that we're gonna get from congress you know i mean just this is a presidency and an administration that is clearly not here for us in policy or in rhetoric. And we have mm. to find a way out of it. Mm. Um, and, you know, how, so how do you, I mean, you're, you're kind of seeing this and we're all kind of seeing this in real time, uh, in, in real time. What in your mind is the most effective ways um, that, kind of society can kind of push back we might have seen it a little bit with uh you know the, the parkland shooting and the the community reaction or the world reaction from those students that that stood out but still we look at it and legislation still hasn't gotten passed right so like well i mean we both know i mean we both know that, that right i mean that's not a right i mean government moves slowly right sure perhaps uh you know most of the time that's for the good right so i mean I mean, Parkland was like a millisecond ago, as far as a legislative right, and the and the way that line. Congress moves, right? I understand. Yeah, I mean, like you know, I I I don't I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, we're in a, we're in a well, we're, but we're in a new era, sure, where the Republican Party is typically in an entirely defensive shutdown you'll accomplish nothing sort of mode. And, sure. you know, when you have that, it's just, it's just difficult to get anything accomplished at all. Um, and they're having a tricky time now because they're not used to governing because their whole thing was just defending and saying no. Right. So now they're being asked to, you know, to lead. And that's just not who they've been for a really long time. How much of what we're seeing now do you think in your mind is just like, a direct reaction still to the Obama administration and President Obama? Um, well, I mean, you know, I think you definitely see a sort of a Obama derangement syndrome on the right where they're just still angry and in shock that he won and they're sort of, you know, defensive and attacking everything that he did. And, you know, the critique of Obama uh, makes the support of Trump seem insanely hypocritical. Right. Um, <laughs> right. You know, but, you know, whatever. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, look, I mean, you know, the, I, I feel like the country has a sort of 
pendulum swing nature to it already, right? Generally, sure. one president seems like the opposite of the prior president. Um, the problem isn't necessarily that there's a group of people who disagree with Obama and wanted something different. I can understand and accept that. The problem is that the choice that they made is completely unacceptable uh, in pretty much every level. It's, so so now, yeah. like the pendulum has just you know become a wrecking ball. <laughs> it's just like well, sure, like I mean, gone. Like he's, he, he doesn't know how to govern. He doesn't care about people. Um, you know, he prefers just create division uh, and you know and play favorites and you know, be undignified and, I mean, like, you know, and not be knowledgeable. He, like, chooses not being knowledgeable. I mean, like, you know, I, I I think their fear of how bad he could be was greater than the reality because he's such a lazy thinker. Oh, I see. I see where you're getting at. He, he, could, cre- he could live up to our fear, which, which in his mind would be accomplishing stuff. Right. But he's a lazy thinker. So he doesn't really have any idea what he could accomplish. So this is my last question on this because I do want to get into some other stuff, including your amazing, amazing podcast that is out right now. But how surprised would you be if he gets reelected? Um, well, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I can't put a number, but okay. I'd be very surprised because, um, you know, people presidents tend to get their approval rating as their vote share so whatever his approval rating is in september before the election is and usually like june before the election is what he's going to get we're a couple of years away from 2020 obviously but trump has been very very consistent at around between 36 37 and 41 42 he never goes much below that, and he doesn't go much higher than that. He certainly never really challenges going above 45%. So not in, not in the reputable polls, right? So, so he's, he's trending toward a complete shellacking. And I just find it hard to believe that his... Like, I know that there were some people who were like, just give him a chance. What could go worse? <laughs> the, the famous Dave Chappelle SNL monologue. Sh- sh- yeah, surely n- nobody who was against him and is like, oh, wow, look what a great job he's doing. I'm shifting to his side. Right. I, I just can't see any significant number of people being won over. You know, if he'd come in and started, you know, knocking stuff down and, you know, creating stuff like, you know, maybe some people, you know, if he said like, you know, we're going to create a whole new set of highways and revolutionize the country, um, you know, maybe people would have been like, oh, my God, I really like the guy, whatever. But like, he's, you know, no, nothing, nothing like that. I just think when you come in so polarizing, he like staked his whole campaign and now his entire presidency on dividing people and basically yeah. suppressing enough people where his base actually wins. I think that's yeah. a difficult formula for winning support, right? Like you're saying, like it's you know, just. I also, th- okay. I also think that 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 there's got to be a group of people who may not be super political, like they're sort of the middle, 
but like and they they can see the value in Trump even as they see the bad and they'll be able to see the bad in the Democratic nominee but they'll see their value and they'll really be in the middle but then they'll be like you know it's been four years um, (laughs) freaking out every time you look at your phone and every morning like push the button and every time you get out a movie you're like oh my god set the world on fire and a group of people and it may be even one or two percent but who are just like I I can't I can't live with this tension and anxiety anymore and it's constant breaking news environment but you know I mean like Trump's coalition before was fragile it was smaller than the Democratic coalition and I cannot see him having won anybody over. So I don't know what he's looking forward to in 2020. The voice you're listening to, ladies and gentlemen, is the author, uh, Torre, uh, author, journalist, television personality. You're doing so much stuff uh, that we're really excited about. One of the things that you are doing right now, and it's happening uh, as we go in, is the Torre Show, the podcast that has had some of the, I mean... I, I, I even feel bad now calling it a new podcast. You've had just a litany of amazing guests. Some of them they include Puff. You've had Puff. You've had Kendrick Lamar when you talk about artists uh, that we really like right now. You've jumped and you've had uh, Kahinde Wiley. You've had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Tell me how the Torre show came about for you and why this is just the perfect time to use this kind of podcast platform. How it came about? Um, I wanted something else to do. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to just what was the ultimate talk show for me would be me sort of sitting around talking to awesome black people and seeing what's really good. And, uh, you know, that's what I set out to do. And I just wanted to see if I could create like, you know, the ultimate black talk show of all. Well, and, you're you're off to an amazing start, and I'll tell you, this you. isn't when you listen to the show. One of the things that really um, stand out is you may be talking to to Puff or Kahinde or Kendrick, but you're really getting into what makes them successful, what makes them tick. Was that always the right. goal of the show? Yeah, yeah. To 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 talk about success, how it's achieved. Um, how it's maintained, but not in that like you know like self help success mumbo jumbo sort of way, but just like what did you do? How did you become a great singer? How did you become a great rapper? What does it mean to be a, a you know a great songwriter? You know how do you know the song is done? How do you make a chorus? Like just like straight ahead, you know like you know just really sharp things about. Uh, you know, about the person's genius, about the thing that they do so well. And with some of those high-profile guests, some of them you've just met throughout your career. Has any of them surprised you? I'm sure a lot of, there's nuggets of every interview, but has something really surprised you, even the presence of one of the, the folks you're interviewing or just kind of threw you off? Um, I mean, I can't think of anybody who threw me off because I have already had the experience of being thrown off in an interview (laughs) and I had to like make sure that that would not happen again. So I had to interrogate why that happened and, you know, put in, you know, basically systems to make sure that that would not happen again. And I've been doing it long enough at this point that, 
it's kind of tricky for it to go off the rails because I just kind of have a lot of things that I can try and do and think to do and you know like I've probably seen somebody get a little upset before well, and just kind of know how to you know de-escalate it and Sure. And let me reframe, uh, not throw you off, Marissa, but like, has there been any kind of conversation that was just like, oh, man, I did that's surprising in a, in a good way. Like, that's an awesome. Let's let's explore that. I did not think we were going to talk about. That. I mean, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, if you're really listening to somebody, then you should be able to sort of hear between the lines. Sure. And, you know, really, you know, I love to learn something really interesting and new about the person in the interview. You know, like I was doing one with this poker player, the second best black poker player. Absolutely, yep. And he's talking about playing poker. But then within that, I don't remember how, we started talking about his daughter and how he's a single parent. And then I was like, wait a minute, how are you a single parent? Like, where's the mom? And he explained that. Then he's like, and I never have a babysitter. And I'm like, wait a minute, like, your mom doesn't live there and you never have a babysitter? Like, <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, I like, I quit playing poker for these last seven, eight years, whatever it is. And I'm really just taking care of her. And, you know, I mean, he works a little bit, but like he's, he's scaled back his working to be with her every day, all day, all the time. Right. And, and that was, that's the interview with David Williams. The pro, pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we, and so Fascinating we went interview. off in an, Thank you. And we went off in another direction into that stuff. Um, so I'm learning something entirely new about him. And I thought it was really interesting. The poker stud who's now this sort of, you know, stay at home sort of dad. You know, it's interesting. Now, one of the things that always has kind of I've been impressed with with your interviews was that you may take, like you were saying, uh, the most extraordinary person. And listening to you talk to them makes them seem fairly normal, right? Like, it makes you forget that, oh, man, this is really Kendrick Lamar or this is really Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like, you you just kind of have this way of going back and forth uh, with the interview like it's a dance. The, do you mm. enjoy the dance? Like, do you enjoy that back and forth? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, no, we're, I mean, we're in a rhythm together. I'm paying attention to how you talk you know the rhythm and pace of the way that you talk so how often am i going to be talking you know how do i keep you talking um i mean you know it's like you know it's like when you get a ball a basketball spinning on your finger right and then you have to tap it just a little bit to keep it going and it's like that like how few words do i need to say to like keep it going you know i, I don't want to have a long question and blah 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 when i could just get you back to talking with like a short question you know um something precise um but like you know short are you enjoying this part i'm I'm sure you enjoy the show but the podcast nature of it the the way that it's just like is this the way that you've molded the show is this the way you always wanted to do a show I mean, in terms of the oral part, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, we have, I have total 
uh, control over what we put out. You know, there's not <laughs> which always helps with someone coming yeah. from a look coming from a major network that always helps. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, I've had I've been at other places where you know the work is much more controlled by others, sure. and this work is not. And uh, you know, I really appreciate that. You've been very, very generous with your time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this interview up. But I do want to ask you because you're always working on multiple projects, and I'm I'm sure there is something that is coming out book wise or or something that uh, is coming out next. So let me know what you're doing next, and then let everybody know where they can follow, subscribe. You are amazing on social media. <laughs> you're amazing on Twitter. Um, Thank you. Let let people know where they can what's next and where they can follow all that is Torre. I mean, you know, the, my podcast Torre Show comes out every Wednesday. Um, you know, we got some awesome people coming up in terms of you know Susan Rogers, who was Prince's engineer, Edwin Raymond, who's an NYPD lieutenant now who's breaking down all the ways that they get over in terms of racist practices and quotas and all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, we've got a lot of great shows coming up. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'm working with Rakim on his uh, memoir, which should Cannot be out this wait. fall. So Cannot yeah, it's, it's going to, you know, it's going to talk about his life. It's going to talk about his creative process and, you know, I mean, there's definitely parts in there that are like musician speak that I'm like, I don't totally understand what this <laughs> says, but I know that there's some musicians out there who will go, yeah, man, I freaking understood that. I fucking, you know, I dug that part and like, I'm like, okay, I'm glad you understand it. And I left it in for you, even though I didn't get it. <laughs> um, That's phenomenal. So, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's digging into who he is as a musician, how he became this genius writer, the stories that shaped him, the ideas that he has about music and about writing, you know, some of the stories. You sure. Know, yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. a, he's yeah. a legendary interview and the, I'm sure like, this is not something out of school, but the whole writing a song from the end first when he gets writer's block. There's, yep. I mean, there's just so many. Uh, he's one of those guys when we talked to, when I was kind of mentioning, like, just aura and presence. Uh, yeah. You know, he, Rakim was, you know, fortunate enough, he did a show not too long ago in Petersburg, Virginia, probably a couple okay. of years ago. And I just will never forget being able to cover that show. And, like, when he just walked in the room, he's not a physically dominating guy, but when he walks in a room, it's like, the crowd parts, yeah. right? Like, it's yeah. just like, they yeah. all know that's that's the God right there. With that said, this is what I'm going to do. I've got to wrap this. Thank you so much for your time. Okay. That's amazing. Uh, this is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. Please follow Torre, follow the Torre Show, and we are just honored to have him. Uh, we'll be right back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for this week. We've got to thank our principal sponsor, 804RVA. We also have to thank our feature interview sponsor, Richmond Grid. Huge, huge shout-out to Torre for his time. We'd like to thank Katie Holcomb of the Coalition Theater. Make sure this weekend you check out the second best comedy fest happening right here in Richmond. Shout-out to my girl, Gigi Broadway, wherever you are. And ladies and gentlemen, don't forget this Wednesday, June 13th, 
a part of the 804 RVA Social Impact Club. We are doing a live podcast. It's our very first live podcast. Our featured guest is Michael Paul Williams of the Richmond Times Dispatch. Our musical guest is Noah O, along with DJ Mentos. A bunch of friends and family are going to be in the building. You don't want to miss it. Make sure you go to 804 RVA and get those tickets. We're going to have a blast. We'll see you on Wednesday. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, we see it.